It's more than just jazz. It's arts, specialist music, and the issues that affect our community. Heard right here on 89.7 FM, Eastside Radio. Stay tuned. Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Waves here on 89.7 Eastside FM with your host Arabella Alamy and Alex Healy and we are pumped to be back in the studio for our last show for the year but not to worry, we have an interesting show lineup. Yep, we'll be speaking with Katia Kelso and Ariane Leonardis, co-founders of a new fashion brand, Ilio Nima, whose mission is to counteract trend-based consumption. Mm. Katia is a Sydney-based designer who has returned back home after working in New York City. Oh my gosh, that is a dream. And Ariane was born in Paris and is now gracing our city with her presence. Welcome, Katia and Ariane. Oh, Alex and Arabella, thanks for having us. So happy to have you on. Well, how did you two meet? Because like going into business together, that's a big thing. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it is. So we actually we actually met in New York. We um we worked together in New York. Um, and uh, Ariane was the design director, and I was the production director. So we've kind of um, worked in a similar similar situation for a while, and it kind of felt like a natural progression for us when we both ended up back in Australia. Um, we have a shared passion for artisanal craft and working with, um, you know, traditional techniques and really slow fashion. So um, we decided to do our own thing. Good on you. That's yeah, great. and traditional techniques, that's something we we'll want to hear about later. But can I ask, how did you get into fashion? What inspired you to become fashion designers? So... I mean, on my side, I guess um, uh, I was living in Paris. I was in art school. And at the time when I was probably 18, 19, I started doing a bit of modeling. And I really hated it. (sighs) But I really loved working with the designer. And at the time, I used to model a lot for Marta Margiela, which um, was a big brand in the 2000s. And I really loved him. And I ended up, you know, assisting him and interning there and being then his PA and um and so I really entered sort of the fashion world on the conceptual and artistic side, and I saw it as you know not the frivolous industry and um and I thought it was really cool and that's how I wanted to become a, a designer really. And what about you, Katia? I think my love came from I I really loved to sew as a kid and um you know through high school and then even um I would make my own outfits out of vintage fabrics I'd make dresses to to wear out on you know Saturday nights out and you know from there I went on to study fashion at UTS and it kind of was like a natural progression for me so you were doing sustainable practices even as a kid (laughs) yeah yeah I love that (laughs) my finishes weren't very good though you know (laughs) (laughs) Well, how long have you ladies been fashion designers for? Um, it's probably been doing this for about 15 years now. Yeah. Wow. And same, I always painted and in crochet and, you know, sort of I was very patient as a kid and always mm. loved doing handwork stuff, embroideries and all of this. And I picked up on things very quickly and very easily. But, yeah, I've probably been a designer now for 15 years. That's incredible. That is incredible. 
And now your new brand, Ilio Nema. Did I pronounce it correct? Yes. Okay, great. So what's the concept behind the new brand and what does the name mean? Um, so Ariane and I spare, um, share a special connection to our Greek heritage. Um, we've both grown up surrounded by and loving Hellenic culture and mythology and storytelling. And so we really wanted to um, share, like draw our name from this, this shared um, culture that we had. So mm-hmm. Ilio means sun in thread and Nima, I mean, Ilio needs sun in Greek and Nima means thread in Greek. So um, together it is sun thread. That's beautiful. Yeah, and so we've tried to also have, we've got lots of gold threads running through a lot of our designs to kind of represent this name and we have lots of little gold hand-beaded, like hand-beaded work through it and gold buttons. We're really trying to bring this gold element through through a lot of our designs. Yeah, I went into your pop-up shop um, last week on Goulburn Street in Surrey Hills and the pieces are so detailed and so beautiful. It's really worth looking at. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, we really love textiles and um, I think we have a shared love for um, hand-woven fabrics and we design every textile ourselves. Uh, we picked all the colours, we design all the stripes and we love things that are made by hand because we feel they've got so much more soul and personality um, than things, you know, that you're going to buy on the mass market. And that and, really comes uh, through and, yeah. in the pieces. Yeah, and we feel like everything feels like a, a one of a kind. We actually make very small run only, um, so the, f- the pieces are more exclusive. Um, yeah, we feel it's more unique today to have something that not yeah. everyone can wear. Mm. And I, I love that it's made from the heart. You've actually put your effort and work into it. It's not like you're a major fashion brand who like pretty little things where they just you know put some material together and then make you know. <laughs> thousands and thousands Standard. of them which cost nothing and then they fall apart like you guys put so much effort into this and um, yeah we care from the beginning mm. and where the cotton come from and where it's woven and you know where can we use better practices and where can we be better and consolidate shipments and make sure there's no plastic at any stage and if there is we'll reuse it and it, I think it's very important and we're we're taking our time and we've taken a long time to develop the, develop the brand um, so that we could have all that system in place. That was just very important to both of us. Yeah, and we really want to create pieces, that, um, you know, that our customers treasure and love season after season, um, you know, really create heirlooms that they, you know, forever mm. pieces, not something that's just for, you know, for the season and you throw away and, and get a new piece. Yeah, and would love to hear more about the process. We'll just go to our first song, which is Polite by Erica De Casia and Maura Massa. But you're not that hype, come on, calm down, no need to lie now All you gotta 
talk about the other ones you see It's like look around, it's just you and me When you talk, you don't show a lot of class It might work with them, but I don't like it Such a pity, I thought you were so nice If you wanna be my type, you better stop being polite I can't deny it, you're on my mind and that's a guarantee But you can't touch for say please I don't know what you're about me I can't deny it, you're on my mind and that's a guarantee But you can't touch for say please I don't know what you're about me And we're back. Can you explain to us what fast fashion is and what do you see the issues of fast fashion? Right. So um, fast fashion, I think, is, you know, all those brands that started correlating from the 90s, I'd say, and then started making um, trend-based consumption um, with new collection, dropping, you know, every two months in store and using chip fabric and polyester and chip make and all done, you know, in China, not not that China is all bad, obviously, none of that. They also do beautiful things as well. But um, but I think in so many ways, you know, it's democratized fashion uh, and made lots of products accessible to, to everyone, and it's wonderful. Um, but it also has pushed consumerism really a bit too far, and we're completely overproducing today, um, and it's destroying the planet, really. So I think every year we're making 150 billion pieces of clothing. So if you make the math, obviously it's it's a lot per capita, and we know it's not just half of the world buying this; it's really mm. just developed country. Um, 
And an average Australian buys 27 kilos of clothing a year and then dispose of 23 kilos of clothing. No. So that just shows you oh the gosh. behavior, right? Mm. So the Australians are second most polluting per capita after the US. We think oh. we're doing really well here, but actually our behavior, uh, behavior around shopping is really kind of wrong. Um, I think someone buys a shirt now for $39. If the, if the button fall, um, he's, the person's not going to sew it back. It's probably just going to dispose it and buy a new one. Charities then ships it to Africa and it creates enormous trash and you know problems over there with bad gas emission and when it decomposes and it's becoming a, a huge you know really problem. Mm. Um, we have such less of a population than the states to. Thank God, yes, of course. And yeah, a big problem is million. we're yeah. not taught this at school. Like I, in year seven, I had to do design tech and we literally, we never hand sewed. We always used a sewing machine. And from then on, we never learnt the skills. I know at um, the sister schools around, like so many of them were teaching like how to sew, how to fix clothes, how to, because that's like a life school you need to know. But I had yeah. no idea, no idea how to sew because I never learnt yeah, it. So obviously- put that shirt at the back of your closet yeah. and you probably never wear it or, again, right? Exactly. So, or I just get yeah. it to, you know, Jimmy up the road, he fixes all my clothes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so if you mend things, if you fix them, that's okay. You know, I tend to embroider my sweater when I have moth holes in them and they become just cuter. Mm, and I think giving a, a second idea. life to things is important. Or, you know, a dress you don't like so much, just gift it for someone's birthday. I think there's nothing wrong with second hand. And, um, yeah, and I just... You know, I've made a study. I've asked all my friends what were their favorite piece of clothing in their closets, mm. their favorite, absolute. And everyone said either something, you know, vintage they bought in a store in Paris, in New York, 10 or 20 years ago, or something that belonged to their mom or their grandma. It was not something they bought at a, you know, at a cheap label. It was never any of that. It was always something that, you know, mm. belonged to someone else, basically. Mm. Um, and I find that quite beautiful. So I'm, I'm hoping our garments sort of are those type of clothing that are, feel like heirlooms and we can keep them and, you know, mend them or just shorten them and do something but not, not dispose because the textile is so special. And I think you can you mm. can see it as soon as you touch it. Yeah. Mm. And it has a surge of sustainable practices and consumers becoming, you know, more aware of environmental impacts. Has it changed the the fashion fashion industry like a huge time because I've noticed it um I noticed it a while back but um when did you notice it because you're actually in the industry you'd know how much consumer behaviors have changed yeah it really is starting to change and the fashion industry is more aware and it's trying but the consumer also is more aware but I do think the consumer needs to become even more aware and also willing to pay the real cost mm, of things. That's the big People thing. still want the $30 shirt and mm. they know and understand, but yet they still they still buy the $30 shirt. So, um, you know, and, and government policies need to change and we still have a long way to go, but it has, it has, you know, definitely improved and there is a big shift. But it's also really hard to shift until like, um, for factories to shift things and that until the whole system does. We need bigger companies to start doing it to make it easier for the smaller companies because... You know, it's really hard when we make really small runs for the factory to do something for us on a really small scale. But mm. if they're already doing it for bigger companies on a bigger scale, it's just 
their, their new way of working. Yeah. And so it really needs to become this whole big reboot and, you know, and fashion calendars need to change, you know, and deliveries need to change and everyone kind of needs to slow down and work, you know, and especially, you know, when you're doing techniques like shibori and, you know, handwoven garments, they, they all take time. You know, you can't necessarily meet a delivery that is demanded by department stores you've got to you know it's you've got to be realistic and you know weather weather can affect things and mm. um we're really we're really trying to work with the artisans to their deliveries and not push them into uncomfortable corners of deliveries and you know tight tight budgets and you know but the consumer also really needs to get behind that as well yeah mm. right and we were reading that you go to morocco and india and create the pieces there how did you forge relationships with communities there um so i guess Kesha and i have been working with you know many many countries and different factories and in our job um it was our, our job to also source those factories and find you know new suppliers constantly so we could do different things because each factory always has a you know uh, specific sort of talent and skill you're not going to do leather with anyone you're not, you're not going to do jackets with anybody or you know you you know the people that do the best jeans and so it's very specific so there's a whole web of you know people you kind of build as you work and that's really very important it's your whole system so we were very careful with Katya when we started the business to start with the right people um, and we've had worked with them for a long time um, in our previous, you know, companies. So we had a relationship with them. Um, they appreciated us. We had met them in person many times. We know the team we're emailing with. So it made things very, you know, easy. Some of them, um, my, our relationship in Morocco was uh, actually a good friend of mine that moved to um, from New York. I didn't knew him in New York, but I met him in Morocco, and um, you know, and we became very close. And he himself developed his own business there and started um, working with artisans um, in the Fonduk in the Medina. And then slowly, you know, started doing something very interesting. And then I used some of the artisans to make some of our pieces. Um, and it was a beautiful collaboration. And, and yeah, and we're just hoping we can travel again soon so we can go meet, you know, more um, factories or some of artisans we had already met in the past, but sort of, re, you know, renew our relationships and do new projects with them, really. Yeah, definitely. And seeing as, you know, I mean, personally, I looked at your store and I was, I just love the clothes. And so I think you definitely have the potential to take it, um, you know, further to other countries. Oh. But you're in Sydney. Thank you. No, no, Thank no. You. no. That's definitely from the heart. Like, seriously, I love it. But, you know, you've experienced the New York market and you've now experienced the Sydney market. And what are the main differences between the two? Any major likes, oh. major dislikes? What are, what's it like? Oh, the U.S. market is is huge. Um, you know, there's so much to share with other brands, and in comparison, Australia is tiny. Um, but it's a healthy yeah. and it's a wealthy market. Um, you know, also seasonally, you know, the U.S. has a big a big shift in seasons and um, has a more versatile collection. Where in Australia, we we're just a little bit smaller. We don't we don't need those big heavy coats for winter. Mm. Um, you know, we still we have this huge big beach culture. And um, so there is a big shift in the way we dress in Australia or, or the US. And so that's something, you know, a lot of our pieces are really versatile. You can um, you can dress them up 
an evening with heels and a uh, earring or you can just put on your sandals and wear them to the beach. And so that's something that we've really focused on being back in Australia um, with, our, with our brand. Oh, definitely. Well, I think um, a lot of designers and creatives, like actors and directors, like work overseas in America, but due to COVID-19, you know, like a lot of them have like come home, like, you know, you. So with the fashion industry, do you find more creatives from overseas have returned home to Australia since? And how has it impacted their or your work in the fashion industry? Has it delayed it? Has it actually helped because you've had more time to work in Sydney or? Um, yeah, so a lot of people came back from overseas at the same time as us. So I think it was very exciting because, you know, I think it brings a lot of freshness and it made us feel a bit more like, okay, we're not the only one that have to reintegrate here because there is a transition that's not necessarily easy. Um, but so, so it's good. There's been a good network, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think the transition's been, you know, interesting. Sorry, I lost a bit the no, question. No, that's all good. The transition, I guess, is a bit forced. So, you know, I guess you would have liked to come back here on your own terms, except everyone just had to evacuate their countries and go back home. Yeah. It's COVID here. Yeah, and it, it really gave us the the opportunity to, um, obviously, that all the time we stay at our home, to think about what we would be doing. And we didn't felt we wanted to go back and work for, you know, as a designer for another company, I thought, you know, it's time to take on our own project. And I think mm. being stuck at home, we actually did lots of craft during the lockdown. We were knitting and doing baskets and oh, pom-poms and tassels. And it kind of really made us, and I started doing clothes like this with friends, my friend in Morocco and, and with India. And slowly we thought we should just, you know, give it a shot. Um, so... COVID, yeah, gave us sort of that still time for us to to reboot. But at the same time, it's been hard because we were hoping we would be traveling and going and visit all the suppliers and we haven't been able to go anywhere. Mm. So, um, and even to expand the business and going to the US or Europe and do trunk shows and, you know, sort of show ourselves, not just on social media, it's been a little bit handicapping. Mm. Um but yeah, hopefully we, we can start traveling again soon and it's looking, it's looking all the better, I think. Definitely. Well, on the topic of social media, um, that plays a massive, massive part in um, people's lives and even promotion. Like you've, we've seen what TikTok has done during COVID. Mm. Like these people from nowhere have rised up and now they're like the most famous in the world. Um, how has your social media journey been? Like, have you noticed in COVID that you've had like a major surge in sales because of like more people are on social media? There's more awareness to your brand or do you feel like? Well, we didn't, we didn't actually launch till just after, after the lockdown. So we weren't actually selling during COVID, but we were, we were starting to build our Instagram community and posting, you know, inspiration and little snippets of what was to come without trying to reveal too much of what, what we were about to launch. So, um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a, a vital tool these days, and we're slowly growing our community, and um, we you know we've got the pop up happening, and so we've promoted that on Instagram and tried to spread the word. But um, you know, it's a great tool. Spread the pop up again right now. What's the address? It's two seventy one Goulburn Street in Surrey Hills. It's just on the corner of Goulburn and Crown. Come down and say hello. Yeah, it'll be there till Christmas. Yeah, so till Christmas. Christmas. I think we'll presents. close probably on the 23rd. And if you miss that... We'll be open on the 23rd, though. We'll just close for, for the Christmas The last-minute Christmas mm. presents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And go to the um, on the Breaking Waves Instagram. We'll have all those details. So anything you miss in this episode will be on the Breaking Waves Instagram. That's breaking.waves.esidefm. And um, I think we'll go to our next song. And it yeah. is <laughs> my personal favourite. Um, I had to put it in here. All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey featuring my favourite, Justin Bieber. <laughs>
So, Cardia, what are Ilio Nima's goals for 2022? Um, I think our main goals are to just expand the brand visibility. Um, we'd love more people to know about us, hear about us, you know, join our little Ilio Nima family. Um, you know, we're interested in telling a story with the brand. So, social media um, is a great opportunity to communicate directly to our audience. So, I think we're really going to focus focus on that for 2022. That sounds great. And well, how can people find you on social media? Um, so our handle is Ilio underscore Nima. That's spelled I-L-I-O underscore N-E-M-A for anyone listening. Thank you so much for coming to the show, Ariane. Yeah. Thank you, girls. Oh, thank you so thank much you. for having It was us. so good chatting with you, girls. Definitely. Yeah. And if anyone missed anything, head to the Breaking Waves Instagram for all the Ilio Nima's socials and follow for updates. That's breaking.waves.esidefem. So this comes to the end of our show. This is the last show we'll have this year, Alex and I, on Breaking Waves. It's been a wonderful year we've really enjoyed speaking with you and we've learned so much yeah it's been so good working with you arabella we bond so well that's like literally the best thing like chalk and cheese (laughs) (laughs) how does that even go (laughs) and a merry christmas to everyone be safe and please have fun (laughs) and we'll see you next year Signing out. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au. Breakfast with jazz, arts for brunch, or community news at dinner time. Get your daily fix on 89.7 FM, Eastside Radio.